Hi and welcome to HyperTalk Season 2. We're a couple of new students from the Digital Business Program at Hyper Island in Stockholm. We have a new vision for uh, the Season 2, and that is to dig in a little bit more on the future industry, our future industry. What is the industry? How do we look at it? And how does other people look at it? Today, I'm your host, I'm Sandra, and I have with me my co-host, Nicole. Hi. Hi, Nicole. <laughs> Today's topic will be failures, and we're here today at Beppo Studio, and we're going to dig in a little bit deeper, tweak and twist this word, failure, and maybe we can change your view of this scary word. And we have a guest with us, and his name is Ashkan Fardost. Hi, Hi. Ashkan. Hey, Hi. how are you doing? This Good. is great. How are you? Good, thanks Good. for having me. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, before we uh, dig a little deeper on who you are, I think we should do a check-in. That's something that we do at Hyper Island a lot. And I think it's uh, it's a good thing to start a meeting. And So what do you think? Should we just um, top of mind when we hear the word failure? Could that be a check-in question? Let's do it. Let's Sounds do good. It. Do you want to start, Nicole? Should I start? Mm-hmm. Uh, failure... Um... I think it's a bit of a scary word, and I hope that will change my mind after this uh, podcast. And uh, it's a big word as well. Um, so I'm super excited to talk more about it. Checking. Cool, thank you. I'm checking in with failure being like highlighting the importance of language, because if we would just change the word failure to, I don't know, hamburger. <laughs> it, everything would just feel ridiculous. So I'm I'm curious to discuss how the actual language affects how we think and dig deeper into the word failure from a language perspective. Checking in with that. Thank you. So interesting. I'm going to th- check in with also like Nicole. It's a scary word. But I also think that we can learn a lot from this uh, failing. Checking in with that. We want to know more about you, Ashkan, and we have some quick questions for you. Uh, there's actually six of them. Cool. So the first one, age? 31, as of Sunday, last Sunday. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite tech gear? I don't know. I don't have favorite tech gear, but I just I just bought the PlayStation Virtual Reality headset, and it's fucking awesome it is so for the moment that's my favorite gear oh my god we have to talk about that more later i think definitely yeah most interesting tech company right now and why everything elon musk and his colleagues are doing so that will be tesla spacex and kind of solar city which he's the board member in that company and he's going to merge it with tesla soon and i think it's interesting because They are all a manifestation of Elon Musk's vision, which is to, you know, bring humanity forwards in terms of getting rid of fossil fuels and make our world, our civilization free from that crap. And also backing up the human species by colonizing Mars. And yeah, those are pretty brutal aspirations. So that's why I love what they're doing. Cool. Uh, The next one is education. Like formal education? Um, your choice. Cool. Um, well, I, I've been to university. That's the formal education I've had. So I, I studied uh, pharmaceutical sciences, and then I did a PhD in pharmaceutical chemistry, 
with applications in medical chemistry, like creating pharmaceuticals and nanotechnology applications. I, yeah, I think that's the only formal education I have. I don't have like in the arts or stuff like that. Cool. And what's your uh, current projects or what do you work with right now? Current projects are I do a lot of speaking globally and I've joined a company called Tanak as an investor and advisor, which I love. I love what they're doing. And I work a lot with Hyper Island, doing uh, industry leaderships and uh, workshops and lectures, which is super fun. But then in official projects are I'm learning to become a good writer because that's a dream I've had for many years. So I'm trying to learn that and also learning to become an investor. Like how do an investor think? Why do they do what they do? And things like that. Thank you. Well, the last one is, do you have any role model? Yes, it's Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> I can always see, almost see that coming. Uh, okay, thank you for that. Uh, at least I have a bigger picture of who you are. Thank you. Back to the topic of failures. What is failures? What is failures for you guys? Failures for me is maybe like not doing something out of fear. Like if I'm really scared of doing it and then from my fear, like decide not to do it. That's a big, big failure. And also like the same thing, regrets not doing something. It's a really big failure, I think. Hmm. I like that. So it's mm -hmm. not the actual failing at the task but just failing to do the task in the first place. Exactly. That's great. I like that. I agree, yeah. How do you see it, Ashkel? Uh, let's do an experiment. Yeah. Let's say I ask you, Nicole, mm -hmm. um, okay, I'm going to give you the task to go into that place where they're dancing ballet across the... Yeah, we're sitting yeah. like high up on the eighth floor and there's a building across the window. It's the Swedish Ballet Academy. And yeah, they're doing really advanced ballet stuff. Yeah. Are, do you do ballet? No, I've never done ballet. Great. Mm. So if I ask you, go in there mm. and make a ballet move for everyone in there. Would yeah. you do that? Like, just like that? Mm. That's a tricky question. I'm going to make a really big fool out of myself. And um, it depends. I don't know on the situation. When you ask it like that, I'm like, hell yeah, I'll, I'm going to do it. But uh, if, let's say, like, I'm going to apply for uh, the Ballet Academy and then know, like, I'm the worst person in the class, I would not do it. Then, like, then I know I'm going to be with all those people a long time and they were like, who's that girl? Why is she doing here? And then I would not do it. Okay. But, But just running in there now and doing a ballet move. Yeah. Would you do it? Yeah, I would do it. Okay. But that didn't go as <laughs> I planned. Okay, okay. But let's do another experiment. Do you sing? Uh, yeah, but bad. Okay. But I love to sing. Do you love to sing? Yeah. So if I ask you to do your best interpretation of Whitney Houston, right uh, I will always love you one. <laughs> Could you do that? No. Yeah. Okay, that maybe. That, that you had me. <laughs> okay. Well, I wouldn't do it myself no. <laughs> either. But it's interesting to analyze that. Yeah. So what happened during those two seconds? Because when I asked you to do it right now, yeah. you just froze yeah. for three seconds and you looked you stared into the emptiness yeah what happened in your head during those three seconds if you reflect back a lot of like 
con consequential thinking. It's like this is are we gonna use this in the podcast? How it's gonna sound? I'm gonna am I gonna be proud of this later on? What am I gonna think about the result? And it's so many like a lot of thoughts running through my head. And who yeah. said those thoughts? Who were who was saying that? Me, I guess. Or how do you mean? Uh, how did you? How did those thoughts go into your brain? Was it a sound? Was it feelings or was it words you heard? Yeah, feelings. Feelings. I think. Yeah. And you would say it's you that said those feelings, right? Yeah, I think so. So, and that's what I think is interesting with failure, because when we are afraid of stuff, there's this voice in your head, right? And to me, failure is that fucking voice yeah. that said all those things that you just explained. Yeah. Like, am I going to be proud of myself later? Am I going to blah, 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 blah. And it's that voice. And I think it's interesting when you start analyzing failure, if you think about it as a voice and a character that's in your head and mm. saying all this crazy shit to you. That's a good insight. Yeah, really. Do you have any other like personal insights that you can remember from your line of work? I do, but I'm curious. What's your take? On failures? Yeah. Um, before Hyper Ireland, uh, that was something that I will go uh, beyond to avoid. Uh, I will go in circles and I will go around it and I will uh, definitely try to avoid it. Uh, failure was something that I just didn't want to do. But then when I went to Hyper Ireland uh, and started this school, I think uh, I re that really taught me that you can learn from it. And to be able to be better, you need to like reflect on them and, and learn from the insights that you get. So that was a huge life changing for me. Um, and that was only like two months ago. So that's really a good insight from yeah. that. And we were in the elevator coming up here, and uh, I asked you like, "Are you nervous?" You said, "Leah, I'm, I'm nervous as hell." <laughs> and asked me, I said, "Yeah, I'm nervous too." And you said you've never done a podcast before, yeah, right? This is the first time you're doing yeah. it. It's about learning. So yeah. it's, a lot, it's about uh, moving forward and challenging yourself. We talked a lot about being in the stretch zone. Uh, but being in the stretch zone, it's easy to go over to the danger zone. Mm. Uh, and that's where the failures are, I think. Are yeah. we in the danger zone now? Definitely not. No, no I think I we're in the stretch zone. Yeah. Stretch? Definitely a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely. Cool. We're going to be pros after this. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, something that I've that really that I've been reflecting on and that I've been thinking a lot about is communication because I think it's in hyperalien we work a lot in groups and communication is something uh, that is really important. And a big failure for me in the beginning was that you think that you communicate, you think that the other people in your group know exactly what you're saying. So my biggest insights from the beginning when it comes to communication is that visual communication is so important. Without that, we uh, we kind of uh, fail. And we did a lot of work that we could avoid. Um, so that's a big one for me. Do you guys have any like big insights recently that you that have come up? How about you, Ashken? Mm -hmm. I'll leave that one for you. Sure. Big insights? <laughs> my, my biggest insight since the last maybe four or five years is that especially since I started doing public speaking for real, like went all in, is that the amount of nervousness I had the first time I went onto a stage to do so-called public speaking, I'm doing quotation marks in there. <laughs> since that time until today, five years later, and I'm doing public speaking almost for a living, 
And their level of nervousness hasn't decreased even an inch. It's the same. I feel like I'm going to throw up and faint every time I'm going on stage to a new audience. And especially if the material is new, then I'm really fucked. And I'm always feeling that nervousness. It never goes away. So my insight is not waiting for that nervousness to go away because it's never going to do that. It's always going to be there. So I think the key is to learn to dance with that nervousness and love it instead and get a kick out of it. So from now on, since the last couple of years, when I feel nervous, I get a kick. I get an adrenaline kick like, oh, yeah, I'm nervous. Something awesome is about to happen. How do you think, because that's something you hear from really big artists as well. I think like Beyonce says that as well. Like she's about to throw up before every performance. It never changed. Do you have a thought on why it doesn't like cool down and why it's like that high all the time? I think so. I think, I mean, if we go back to where we really came from as human beings, as a species, we're not we're not different genetically as to what kind of species we were let's say 100,000 years ago and at that time you know we lived in really small tribes you know small tribes of maybe 40 50 people maybe 200 people but really small and the thing was everyone knew each other so if you fucked up your chances of reproducing which your brain is like you got to reproduce that's the key thing the brain make sure it happens and, you know, spread the genes. If you fucked up, everyone in your tribe would know like, oh, Ashkan, that's a stupid person. He's not worth, you know, reproducing with. And then you would be an outcast. They would kick you out of the tribe and you were done. It was over, you know, you had no place to be. And I guess the same goes for all the animals on the planet. So I think that fear of failing or fear of fucking up That's not psychological, it's biological, it's in our cells. So to to think, to imagine that you could think away the fear or the nervousness, that's, you know, futile. That's never going to happen. It's in your cells. Just the fact that your heartbeat is going to increase or heart rate if you start running, that's biological. So is the fear and nervousness and everything that goes along with it. So I don't think anyone who says, no, I'm not afraid of doing something new. That's bullshit. I don't believe in that. Okay. Uh, I think you're talking a lot about acceptance and accepting that uh, you're going to be nervous. But in general, otherwise, how do you uh, how do you work with and handle failure? Like how um, how do you work with it? If you realize that you failed, how do you go forward and be better? How do you learn from them? It, that's where I think the language part comes in, right? Like, let's say I want to prepare a... I want to create a song. I used to work with music before. So that put a lot of pressure on you because if you created a song and you played it to someone and they didn't like it, that's a horrible experience. They say, oh, your your song sucks. I don't like it. This sounds amateur, whatever. And the thing is, when when is the failure? When do you define when the failure is? Is it when I was creating the song? Is it when I was playing it and the person didn't like it? When does the actual failure happen, right? When is the point in time where you would say, okay, that's the failure. And I think it's just a long process. It's not like, oh, I made a song, nobody liked it, I failed. And okay, now I have to cope with that failure. I think it's rather like if you jog, you're going to sweat. 
And if you work really hard, it's going to suck from time to time, the output you create. And the the failure, so-called failure, is just sweat, just drops of sweat, just just flying out of the thing you're working with, but you just keep going. So I don't see it as a process I have to handle. It's just other people's reactions to what I'm doing. That's cool. a great metaphor. Yeah, it was a cool sweat. take. Yeah, <laughs> cool take on it. Yeah, that's good. Um, if we leave our uh, our own stories a little bit and go a little bit deeper into the industry, what do you guys think is like the most common thing that companies do wrong? That's a big one. Yeah, it is. Do I'm you have thinking. Anything? Of, I'm no. thinking about. I can see like a lot of. St- for example, startups right now that had so much faith in like their product that they forgot about like looking at um, the market and see like what do people actually want or like put enough effort into the UX and like the website and has so much faith in what they have created that they forgot a lot of steps. So it's so many times when people are like someone has discovered this one uh, product and it's like this is so good but nobody has heard of it because they They don't manage to put themselves out there. And uh, I think that's a big failure because there's so many amazing companies and it's so many of them that you'd never heard of. So that's one thing I've been thinking about a lot, mm-hmm. actually. I think you're right on point, especially in the first part when you said that a lot of groups of people, they put a lot of faith in the product, but not actually asking, does anyone want this in the first place, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I interpret that as... Or my take on that is everything is focused around technology. Everyone wants to create an app, mm. right? The next cool app. Or everyone wants to create the next cool VR thing. Or the next cool insert whatever technology you want. I think that's a big failure. Starting with the technology instead of looking, how can I actually solve a problem? Start with the problem side of things. Yeah, that's really good. I uh, recently read in an article that two thirds of digital business transformations projects fail. Hmm. That's kind of a similar questions to the the one before, but how? I mean, this is really interesting. Two thirds—that's a lot. Yeah. Why is that? What kind of companies was there? Was it like big organizations wanted to become digital? Was that the? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. I guess it's hard. It oh, it's easy. Not easy, but the easy part is. Okay, accepting, like, okay, we have to do something about the situation. And then you bring in a bunch of smart people from the outside who look at your organization and say, okay, you have to digitalize and do this and that and blah, 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 blah. But when it actually comes to doing the work, people freeze. It's like, what? Am I going to do something differently than we used to do? We always used to, like, do things in this way at this company. Are we supposed to actually do things different? I think it's as simple as that. Mm. It's easy to talk about it, but once you're supposed to actually do it, then we freeze. Just for the same reason, when I asked, can you do an interpretation <laughs> of Whitney Houston? <laughs> yeah. You froze. If you ha- you would have asked me the same thing, I would freeze to death. I would never do Whitney Houston here. <laughs> Or should I? No, I'm not going to. You're welcome to if you it's want happening to. happening now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's so interesting. Uh, In the same article, I found some more numbers and that says that large companies are throwing away roughly $400 billion dollars a year on digital and analytic 
business transformation that fails to deliver what they promise. And I think that's the thing. They fail to deliver what they promise. They don't know what people want, like you said, Ashkan. Mm. They haven't done the basic research of going out there and asking what people want and meeting that need. I think that's a huge thing to think about. Definitely. I agree. But you've been been working with big organizations that want to do digital transformation, right? And you've even created concepts for them that you believe, okay, this is worth trying out. What what were the the reactions you got when you first showed them the concept? Were they positive to it or were they like super afraid? I think the company that I worked with was uh, so open, so they were happy with any result. Uh, they're super new to the to the uh, to the world. They just started and uh, they were happy with anything. Um, but doing small checkups along the way, so we know we're on the right path, and then reaching out to the people that are their customers and asking them what they want. That was the key, I think. And uh, when they heard that we actually did that, they trusted us completely. I think also like we worked with a few really big companies uh, with enormous budgets. And the problem with the big budgets is with a big budget, it comes a long lead of decisions. So um, one company that we worked with, uh, they loved our presentations and was like super excited and was like, it was so excitement you haven't really seen before because they haven't experienced like the digital um uh, all the ad- advices that we gave they were so new for them so this is re- really eye opening but i think the problem is it doesn't matter how uh, excited they are because then they have to present it to another person who has to present it to another person and by do- having like six or seven Uh, steps before you can make a decision then maybe the original idea gets like cut to pieces one after one and then in the end you have a result that maybe wasn't the solution that you presented in the beginning and that could be one of the issues as well why it's hard for those really big companies to actually do a successful transforming makes a lot of sense yeah right yeah i totally agree maybe that's why everyone's talking about having flat organizations You know, not yeah. having hierarchies where everyone has to get a green light yeah. from someone. That makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think we should move on to another part of um, of this podcast, and that's uh, some questions that we want to ask you, Ashkan. And we uh, implemented this thing that we talked about a lot in school, and it's. Early adopter, early majority, and late majority, and laggards. We're gonna uh, stick it to um, to uh, early adopters and laggards, mm-hmm. just to take the extremes. And just to explain a little bit what it is, early adopters is the people that are first on first in line and want to try it first, and laggards are the people the total opposite that uh, don't picture themselves using it at all, pretty much. Is that a good ex- explanation? Yeah. yeah. Maybe don't even have like a smartphone. Today. Exactly. Yeah. They're really exactly. late. Cool. <laughs> and uh, we have talked a little bit about virtual reality and we're going to come back to that later. That's a really interesting topic. The first question though is how do you stand when it comes to self-driving cars? Early adopter. Early adopter. Yep. AI. Have you been on an airplane? Yes. Right? <laughs> I mean... We're already yeah, okay. It depends. Depends. What what do we constitute as? What do we define as AI? 
the thing is, it's called AI when we haven't figured it out yet. But once it works and everyone starts using it, we say, "Oh no, that's not AI anymore. It's it's just uh, it's just software or it's just machine learning." We demote it mm-hmm. like from the AI level. So autopilot on airplanes, that's AI. In terms of that, yeah, uh, I would be an early adopter because I trust the autopilot. Yeah. Same with the self-driving car. Yeah, that's that's AI doing it, right? That's true. Yeah. So I guess I'm an early adopter depending on what the application yeah. is. If it's a surgery robot that's going to do surgery on me without human <laughs> intervention, I guess I would be a laggard yeah. for that. Do you think sometime that AI will be able to be like creative? And do you think that AI sometime in uh, the future will have like human, uh, like you can see that per- that AI as a human that we will be equal? Yes, I do. There are already tiny small examples indicating that we're going towards that. For example, the the deep learning AI company called uh, Alpha, I think their name, I forgot their name, but Google bought them. They had this robot called AlphaGo or AI that was called AlphaGo that was specifically designed to play this game of Go, which is like chess, but more advanced. And you need to be creative. You can't just play it mathematically like you can do with chess. So... They put up this AI against the world human champion in this pl- game, Go. And nobody thought that the AI would beat the human, but it did. And in order to beat someone at Go, you need to have so-called intuition, doing quotation marks again, or creativity. That's what the experts say. You need to have that in order to be able to play the game. And it beat the human. So that's an indication. And I know, I think it was MIT who have developed a algorithm that can design chairs and the design is gorgeous it looks so organic it looks like the chair grew out from a tree it's so beautiful and it looks so human and it was created with an algorithm so definitely and i mean we're we are materia right our brains it's physics and biology and biochemistry i don't believe in that mystical stuff like oh there's a hidden energy that makes us alive and we're just materia So, of course, sooner or later, we will be able to replicate that in a machine and learn to love it and have feelings for it. Sure. But would you be comfortable in a world where people can adopt robots and have an AI robot as a friend and that they're a part of your everyday life in that sense? Would you be comfortable with that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm... People are always going to be evil, a small percentage of people. So there are already biological intelligences that are assholes. So I'm, I guess I'm comfortable with them. But I have high hopes for the AI in the future that will outsmart us, that they will be smarter and not do the shitty things that we do. Yeah. But yeah, I would be super comfortable. Would you be? I don't know. Uh, in one way, yes. But as you say, like... If we start thinking about all the bad things that can happen to our our inventions, it's gonna really like hinder us to develop. For like, I always take um, the dynamite for an example. Like that was uh, meant to be like a really good thing to be for us to uh, build cities and help us in our everyday life, and that developed into a really something that made uh, even worse uh, and killed a lot of people. So. It's hard because I want to say like that it's scary, but I don't want to say it because that's going to hinder us so much. So 
feel I'm being com- feel comfortable and um it can do so much good so uh, I think it's a uh, it would be bad for us to hinder it mm. I think What well, do you think Sandra? Uh I kind of agree you both. I think it's super cool and I would uh, I would love to see how it would look like. But I think I'm in between early majority and late majority there. I need some more information of what kind of risks there are out there to be able to actually feel comfortable around that. I think I'm not an early adopter in that sense. But I'm excited for the day when, as we talked about, when AI gets like really human um, like perspectives and you can feel like equal with it. I'm starting to imagine people like fall in love with AIs and like, Are you going to start AI families? And how is that going to be legal? Are they allowed to marry each other? And like all that stuff is like really funny to think about. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and I also think... One step further. <laughs> exactly. And I also think that I really need, uh, for me to uh, to understand this better, I really think that I need to experience it. I need to know what this this thing can offer me and what it does with me to be able to actually accept it, I think, and also to feel comfortable with it. Otherwise, it's just something that I really don't understand and I don't I don't know the purpose of it. It's really Other big. than it's cool and I want to look at it and it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was really interesting. The third one, I don't know, we'll see how, how your take is on this one, but uh, try a legal pill that gives you access to more of your brain capacity. A pill? Hmm? No, because I've worked in the pharmaceutical world and I think pills suck because most of them just take away symptoms and they have a lot of side effects. I think using pills is an ineffective way to achieve anything. But I guess that was maybe just a metaphor, like anything that could increase my... But if... Okay, can I answer in terms of any technology that would increase my mental capacity? Okay, so if it was a chip implant in my brain... That will make me smarter. Yeah, totally. Mm, cool. We already do it. Don't don't we use Google and we use computers to yeah, become sure. smarter, right? That's yeah. true. That's true. And we should follow up on that. Like, um, as you say, the chip. Do you have a chip in your arm? No. No, you haven't. But are, do you want to uh, put one there? Well, there, there are chips today, like RFID chips, yeah. in which you can store medical information, a tiny amount of data. Mm. But then I think... That's a symptom of what we talked about earlier. You yeah. know, you start with a tech just for the sake of it, yeah. but don't ask, what can I use this for? I think the use cases mm. aren't that appealing to me. But having the chip in my arm, I don't have a problem with that. But once like, I use it for really useful stuff, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's something to think about. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you think that's going to be the future? That's going to be like more developed? Or do you think it could be like the segue that it's like, this is super cool and then it stops there, that people won't use it that much? No, I think we will start to implant ourselves with tech. Maybe not in the very near future because there are so many problems and obstacles that need to be solved. But absolutely, I mean, there are already people with implants, right? If you have a pacemaker. Yeah. So having tech inside your body, that's not that, you know, strange, really. So if we could have implants that will really make us either biologically better or intellectually better... I totally see a future where we would do that. Cool. Uh, the fourth one is try a time machine. Try a time machine? If there actually would exist one. Yeah, that would be awesome. Wouldn't you want to try it? Like, go to... Yeah, I would love to do that. Do you think that 
there were in the future be uh, existing time machine any any time. I am too stupid to understand the physics of time <laughs> travel, so I have no idea. I have no clue. I hope there will, but I have no clue. Maybe in two thousand years or something. I'm thinking maybe. about like maybe in your mind going back to the chips. If like if you have a chip implanted in your ah. mind, and then you can add like you have a library, so you can go back like seeing us maybe sitting here in two years. Like oh, I remember when we did our did our first podcast there, and then I can rerun it in my head. Maybe I love that. <laughs> a yeah. kind of a time machine. <laughs> I'm uh, early adopted there as well. Uh, yeah. But I would love to go in the future. Just take a little glimpse. Yeah. See how it looks like. Where am I? Mm. Have and you seen Black Mirror, the show on Netflix? No, but no. no. Yeah. Have you heard about it? Yeah. Because the thing you just explained, like have some chip or something that could take us back to memories. Uh, there is an episode that is exactly about that. Mm. So when the characters in that future universe, it's not that far in the future, but they have these lenses, like electronic lenses on their eyes, so you can't see them. But if they activate it with this little device they have in their hands, uh, their lenses change color to like silver, and then they see a screen. So their entire field of vision is a computer screen. And then they can relive all of their memories that they ever had. Cool. Super creepy episode. Hmm. But it really makes you think. But yeah. that's exactly what you were onto. That's cool. Yeah, cool. I think that's possible. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. Definitely, definitely. Okay, moving on to having a vacation in space. Having a vacation in space, or maybe we should say living in space. Have the opportunity to live in space. Totally, if if the usability is good. <laughs> I mean, if I can't. Take a shower whenever I want. Yeah, yeah. If I would, if I was offered to go to Mars, be the first one on Elon Musk's Mars ship, I would totally do it. But only if I know it's temporary, mm. because it kind of sucks living in space at the moment. Yeah, maybe you're a laggard then. I guess if I you am. need to have like a bit of facilitates at yeah. Mars, for yeah. example, to live there permanently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a laggard, but to just <laughs> visit and come back, yeah. I would do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, then we come into this VR. What's your take on it? You said that you just bought one. Yeah, so I bought the Sony VR uh, thingy, but I think what we discussed earlier again, the chip that could take us back in time. I think that is the ultimate virtual reality, where you don't have to wear a thing that weighs a lot and put it on your head and look ridiculous. Once we could have a tiny device that just goes into our brain. Or maybe just special glasses that you that aren't different than regular glasses, which allows us to see a virtual reality. I think that is the point when virtual reality is actually going to become something for greater society. Until then, where we have a tiny, tiny device that's invisible, I think it's just going to be heavily adopted in the gaming industry. So, okay. I said it. I think it's a hype. <laughs> I might be wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I love the concept. But I think it's a hype, and only the gaming industry is going to adopt it heavily and do cool stuff. It sounds uh, super logic to me as well. But it's so interesting. I was at Paris, the um, advertising school, and they had this like trend spotting, 
And they started talking about VR. And I'm a bit damaged of your uh, take on VR. <laughs> so I was like standing there and they really presented this as this is the big new thing. And maybe first of all, it's not that new. Yeah. It has a few years back. Oh, yeah. uh, and uh, their take on it was that this is going to take over the world and everyone is going to running around in the streets with VR. The problem is that you're not going to see where you're stepping exactly. uh, if you have a VR glasses yeah. on you. So we were like the hypers that were there was really skeptical. And so it's so interesting hearing like their take on it because for them this is was like life-changing. But I really understand your take on it and I definitely agree because people are not going to be able to walk around with this really big, not that attractive yeah. uh, gear on them. So it's, it's so interesting because it's, uh, it's two, um, uh, what do you say, camps. Yeah, um, exactly. Now I really want to have that time machine and take a little glimpse in the future yeah. and see <laughs> yeah. if it works or not. Yeah. That would be cool. I want to ask one more yeah. question about self-driving cars. When do you think you will own your own self-driving car? In how many years? Uh, Tesla actually made an announcement mm? four or five days ago. And they said that all of the cars that we're going to ship from now on and forwards, they will be equipped with all the hardware necessary to be a 100% fully autonomous car. Cool. So if you order a Tesla today and have it shipped, I think it will be 2018, sometime like that, it will be come shipped with all the hardware you need. And they actually have the software or the AI part figured out, but they are just waiting to do the final tweaks and also gather enough data to show as evidence to different governments and regulators to show that, okay, this is actually safer than human drivers. So it's already here. Mm. And it's going to be shipped out. I mean, we're, we are already there. So now it's only a question of when the governments are going to allow it to be on the streets or allow us to not have our hands on a wheel while we are driving them. So it's here. Cool. It's done. It's, cool. We got it. So you're going to have it when the government says it's okay. Maybe. And when I can afford it. Yeah. They're expensive <laughs> as fuck. <Yeah. laughs> that's an interesting. That, that's an important part as well. I have a lot of insights from, from this part. And I have some more questions for you, Ashkan. Shoot. Shoot, yeah. This is a question that uh, we ask a lot of people that come to Hyper. If you would give yourself an advice, if you will step back five years. Fail more. Fail, Fail more. more. Good advice. I always believe like, oh, I, I dare to do things. But when I look back a couple of years, years like, oh, I had all these other things I wanted to do, but then this voice in my head shut him down and told me, no, don't do that. You can't do that. You're not allowed to do it. I wish I had done more. Yeah. So if you will give yourself an advice in the future, will it be fail more as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. I'm going to embrace that as well. If you will give us, or people in general, a tip, uh, it could be anything connected to the industry when it comes to digital business, any tip at all for the future. I'd say let's get rid of all the buzzwords and all the concepts like a startup. That's a super hype buzzword. Everyone wants to have a startup. And that's like how we measure if someone has made it or not, right? Before it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago or for the last 50, 60 years, it was, oh, do you have a degree, right? That was the top of the hill. Oh, you got a university degree or something like that. And today it's, oh, you have a startup, you made it. But let's break that down. What is a startup? It's a group of people doing cool shit together that other people are willing to pay for. So if you look at it that way, 
then we don't have to be imprisoned with this mind that, oh, we need to create an app or something techie, whatever. We're just a bunch of people doing things we like that others are willing to pay for. And if you think about it like that, you can do anything. You can, I don't know, you can knit hats for cats if that's what you love <laughs> yeah, to do. Definitely. And yes, that's a startup. And it doesn't make it less valuable than anything else for you emotionally. So yeah, just forget all the buzz and hype and focus on the things you really care about because technology allows you to do that, right? Everything is super cheap now. You can reach whoever you want through the internet. You have access to you know, information. You have access to people. You have access to knowledge. Use that to do what you love. So because it's digital, yeah, it changes the business models and all that stuff. But still, it's not different from 50 years ago in the sense that we're humans. We like to do cool, fun, and new stuff. We just do it in a new way. Cool. We're going to stick to uh, the digital business industry and go back to skills. What do you think is the most important skill in the future? I think it's the same skill that has been important throughout human history, but that we kind of have forgotten in the last maybe 100, 200 years since industrialism. And that's the skill of being able to work with other people and have a good team culture. As simple as that. So it has nothing to do with the fact or because everything is digital now. But, you know, digital has made it so that working in factories or have this linear career when you can plan everything 50 years ahead, that's not possible anymore, right? Because everything changes so quickly. So I think the only way to combat that is to be able to work effectively in teams and understanding people and be able to collaborate with people. So it's not new. It's an old skill that we've forgotten. Yeah. And we should bring it back. Yeah, I agree. If you will have the opportunity to switch place with me, be the host, who would you like to interview? I would bring in a guy. His name is Stefan Vendin. I don't know him that well. I just met him a couple of times. And he's a crazy cool person. He's been like art director and worked in the creative industry. But I think... I, I haven't found a podcast with him, but after talking to him for an hour, I was like, oh my God, this would be an awesome podcast. Just talk with this person. And he's been in the digital business and all that. So I think that would be a really cool guest for your yeah. show. Cool. Let's yeah. write down his name. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to take up on that one. Well, thank you so much for that. Thank you, Ashkan, for being here today. Thank you, Sandra and Nicole. Yeah. It's been awesome. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. We love you having you here. If we uh, if people would like to know more about you and see what you're actually doing, uh, where can they find you? Well, I have a website, but that's just for my public speaking stuff. And it's uh, my first name, ashkan.io. But that's just for the public speaking part. Uh, if you just want to see what I do, I guess my Facebook profile, that's the thing I update most. And it's open, so you can see everything. Uh, but yeah, I'm on all the social media all over the place. Good. We started the the podcast with a check-in, right? So I think we should definitely do a check-out. What questions should we have here? Maybe um, biggest insights from today's talk. Could that be one? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Cool. I can begin. Mm? After talking about failure for an hour, I'm not nervous anymore. I was nervous before doing the podcast, but now it's gone. I don't want this to end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm checking out with that. I agree with Ashkan. 
I think it was a really good topic for our first podcast. And I really liked your advice to your yourself five years back and five years ahead. And the thing like fail more. So I'm going to do more stuff that I'm maybe really bad at and do it anyway and see what happens. Check out. Okay, me... I'm definitely gonna go home and think about this VR and the AI a little bit more. Uh, I have some good insights from your from you there, Ashkan, but definitely also a little different take on uh, on failures. Definitely, I'm gonna check out with that. Good, awesome. Good. You will find us and see more about us on uh, our Instagram account, Hyper Talks. And uh, we want to thank Beppo Studio for making this recording possible. Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs>